Welcome to episode 133, Governor William Mosley. Last week, Governor Ron DeSantis, the current governor of Florida, introduced his new idea for a state guard or state paramilitary force. In his introduction of this guard idea, he featured a motto lifted directly from the past. The motto was, let us alone. Let us alone comes directly from the flag of Governor William D. Mosley, the first governor of Florida as a U.S. state. There had been territorial governors previously, but Mosley was the first state governor. So today, Robert Bucciolato and I We'll dive into the history, the career, and the governorship of William D. Mosley. Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire. And I'm Robert Bucciolato. There have been many Florida governors during its time period as a territory, about a dozen presidential appointees, to say nothing of the various Spanish and English governors that occupied that office long before Florida became under the sway of the United States government. But everything really changed when an unknown Whig by the name of John Tyler, the nation's 10th president, signed into law on his last day in office an act which granted the state of Florida its own statehood. Soon, there was a statewide election to find the first ever officially elected governor of the state of Florida. Democrat William Mosley, a native of North Carolina, defeated Whig Robert Call's attempt at a third term as governor, winning by a mere 600 votes. Call's unexpected defeat was due in part for his outspoken support of President Harrison, a very unpopular figure for his nationalistic views. Now, our first governor was a strong believer in limited central government, quickly set the tone for what was to be the next two decades of highly volatile and turmoil state government, which would eventually, unfortunately, see the state erupt in a civil war. He was sworn in with much celebration and pageantry, um, deemed by many newspapers as the George Washington of his generation for Florida. The St. Augustine News correspondent described that Florida's motto, let us alone, perfectly encapsulized the message of our state's first governor. Mosley's relationship with the nation's capital was at times troubled. The state capital had been completed during his first year in office, and Mosley oversaw the state's role in the Mexican-American War, supporting the conflict because he saw it as an effort to expand slavery. A prodigious worker with a great appetite for the minutiae of the executive office, he would go to the Capitol, newly completed in 1840 by a congressional appropriation, and he would leave late into the night. 
a bit of irony on this part. Congress did not give Florida the $40,000 needed to finish construction until 1844, once it was clear that the territory would be entering the Union as a state. So therefore, during his tenure, Mosley found that the somewhat cramped first state capitol building felt a little rustic for his own liking. Throughout his tenure, you would see some major inroads among the Whigs as they tried to switch the ingrained mindset of Floridians from a limited state-controlled government to one that was more akin to the Whigs' national platform. It would work for a period of time. The next governor... Uh, Mosley, by the way, was still, as of yet, um, not able to uh, succeed himself, would be a Whig, Thomas Brown. But in the meantime, despite being limited to just four years, Mosley did quite a lot to establish the tone that was to really be a dominant force in the state until the uh, Bourbon Democrats of Reconstruction. And while he would never obtain the office of governor again, he was in many ways as popular as Robert Graham was during his time in the 1980s. A colorless, slightly humorous man, his slogan has now been used by our current governor for relatively the same purpose, establishing that even though the federal government possesses many powers and many responsibilities, the 10th Amendment also states that a state has its own sovereignty, something that Mosley uh, repeatedly tried to exercise during his war, very interesting, slightly colorless, and always entertaining years as the first truly elected governor of the state of Florida. Robert, thanks for that. A couple other notes about Mosley that I find really interesting. One, he was from North Carolina. He went to the University of North Carolina, which was one of the first great schools in the United States, first great universities, got his master's degree from the University of North Carolina, was actually a roommate of future President James K. Polk. And I think this is important because the philosophy, the political philosophy of Governor Mosley was very similar to that of the Jacksonian Democrats and Polk, who was the heir to the Jacksonian mantle. He was a supporter of the Mexican-American War. He was a supporter of the idea of expanding the United States to make it safer for slavery, more slave states, more territories that you could uh, open up to slavery at that time. That was a, a commonly held position in the Democratic Party. Uh, either you were for unlimited expansion of slavery or for the idea of popular sovereignty. Now, as Robert mentioned, you had Thomas Brown and Whigs and, and, and uh, Governor Call that had a very different view of, of nationalism, right? They were more nationalistic. The Whig Party, led by Henry Clay, was a more nationalist party. I mean, Clay was, I would say, in my opinion, I'm a big, big Henry Clay fan, actually, a big, big uh, uh, 
reader of, of, of histories related to Henry Clay. Maybe it's because I don't like Andrew Jackson. I'm a big Henry Clay fan, but I am a big Henry Clay fan. Henry Clay, I would say, was the ideological heir in many ways to Alexander Hamilton, even though Clay had been a Jacksonian, Dem- uh, excuse me, a Jeffersonian Democrat himself when he was Speaker of the House, when he was one of the War Hawks going into the War of 1812, but had gradually drifted to a more nationalist view as someone coming from a Western state, coming from Kentucky. He had a more uh, robust vision for the United States as a nation state than the Democrats did, the Democrats led by Andrew Jackson and by such figures as John C. Calhoun and eventually James K. Polk. So Mosley very much is an ideological ally of the Jacksonians and of President Polk. He is the the governor of Florida at the very same time Polk is the president of the United States. So uh, he supported the war effort. He supported Polk's administration. Uh, He worked to pacify the Native Americans along kind of the Jacksonian lines. He also was the governor when Fort Jefferson was built, Dry Tortugas, which is now a national park, one of the great great forts, I think the biggest masonry fort uh, in uh, the United States was built. And Fort Clinch on Amelia Island was built, Fernandina Beach area, which uh, that area had a lot of significance in the Patriots War and the kind of corollary wars to the War of 1812. A fort was built there during the governorship of Mosley, which then ended up becoming very important in the Civil War. Uh, The Fernandina uh, area was actually quite important in the Civil War. So anyway, thank you once again for listening to the Florida History Podcast this week. You can get this podcast wherever you find podcasts. Thank you to Robert Buccellato, my co-host as always. And a reminder that so much of Florida's history is conflicted. There are some very uh, redeeming qualities about Governor Mosley. There are also some very uh, onerous qualities. And whatever the case, uh, the current governor, Ron DeSantis, current governor as we record and release this, has chosen to associate himself with the legacy of Governor William D. Mosley. So that's a little bit more about Governor Mosley. We'll catch you next week.